it's starting okay hello everyone and welcome to wine women and words and my special co-host uh tanya fjord uh, I, did, I said that right correctly yes yes i a double check <laughs> <laughs> uh, and today we're going to be talking about zarina's legacy and her comic series havenhurst and as i mentioned which show is supposed to join us so she might pop in some point during the podcast um, if any of you have little ones, you know that when they decide to wake up and take all your attention and be cranky, that you have nothing to do but to actually take care of them. So here's hoping Benadryl will kick in for her. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we both have our line. And, um, and I'll actually go ahead and start introducing Tanya with her comic, because I mentioned she did this comic book series, Haven Herself the right here, the first issue of it, um, which is very cool. And when I first met you, Tanya, you didn't tell me that you did comics. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> when, I guess we didn't really get into our careers. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. We were, uh, when we first met, my, both of our husbands are part of the first Legion, and we were taking care of them, making sure that they didn't trip up all of the little kids at the OC Zoo. And, but I remember you talking about working from home, so I just assumed you were a graphic designer, and or something along those lines. <laughs> and then Kamikaze comes around, and Ryan and my husband was like, "Tanya's got a booth there. Dara, she's got a booth there. She's an artist. We need to go check her out." And so we did, and we discovered the wonderful um, series of Kate and Hearst, which I'm only slightly obsessed with. I'm gonna say, you know, just slightly. <laughs> and she also does wonderful artwork too. Um, this one I have yet to frame, but I figured I'd show it. The glare of my oh yeah, Belladonna. Yeah. The Belladonna with the um... actually, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, quiz my optometrist, optometrist about that one. Uh, I was <laughs> looking up um, anatomical drawings, and there's uh -huh. on the sides of the eyes, there's tissue like the top and the bottom which makes sense because you move your um your eye up down side to side but there's actually a muscle that wraps around the eye okay so i i asked uh -huh. him about that because it's like you know I'm, I'm drawing these details like you know what what is the function of that and apparently our eyes can swivel in the sockets ever so slightly so yeah the human body's weird <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> it is weird. And it's cool that you, got the you really put that detail into it. And I fell in love with that one simply because of, you know, being a writer and being into reading books. I consider literature to be um, my belladonna to, you know, like make me hallucinate and think of other things. Yeah, so yeah. that's going to really go up on my wall probably after Christmas once we get things framed and whatnot. Because I've got some other artwork that's coming from Santa. <laughs> Great guy at Santa. Yes, he is. He's so good to me. Um, anyways, before we start talking more about your stuff, um, how about the Zarina's legacy? What do you think about it so far? It's really interesting. It's the um, the jumping back and forth between the timelines. Like I was kind of curious how that was going to work, but they tie in really well together, and just some of the, the um, the common themes and 
the things that the characters have in common, like um, uh, the thing that I really like as a common thing is the, um, the you belong in the world. Mm-hmm. So you have these, these characters who have all this potential. They, um, they have something to offer, but they want, they have this, um, they kind of like tamp themselves down, like, you know, remove themselves into the monastery or remove themselves in academia. But they have these people in their lives that are sort of like pushing them out. Like, no, you have a gift. Like you have something to offer and they have to be coaxed into it. But once they get there, it's just like something ignites in them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So isn't that, that's really cool. And there's even just like little things like the, um, like the Ruby and just all these little threads that tie everything together and just like, you know, history is a story and the story is constantly being written. So it's, it's just, it's really cool to see how all of that ties in together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love those little details. It's one of the things that really in history where the details really play a role in, 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 excuse me, in historical fiction. I currently need to drink more wine so I can speak more eloquently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the Ruby, I love that you talked about that because I love how, you know, you have Grigori who he has that Ruby and he's playing with it. And then when uh, it's Dimitri, I believe it is. Yes, yes. He's playing with it too. And then, you know, you have those characters and it's almost like it's almost genetic where he plays with it in his hand, Dimitri where you have this characteristic that was Gregory's, and then now you have, what, 100 years later, a couple hundred years later, where you have his great, great, great nephew or whatever who's doing the same thing, the same action. It's got to be, you know, yeah. genetically. So can you imagine carrying a ruby in your pocket to, like, fiddle with? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I really couldn't. I mean, as it is, it's hard enough to wear a diamond ring sometimes. Um, without fear of losing it, but to actually carry that around in my pocket, oh God, I know how to lose it. Yeah, so or just like having it on a plane, like in front of people, just like, oh yeah, I've got this thing, like just fiddling with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's interesting. Sorry, I have a, my little demons, as you guys, as we'll talk about in the comments before, are starting to cause problems. So I can totally relate to your characters, uh, <laughs> Little Critters. Yeah, just always, always there. <laughs> always there, always in this. I think Lilo seems to think that she's one of the co-hosts for the show. Because if I'm up here in my seat in front of the computer, she gets all excited and then she has to be up here. And when she's not, when I don't let her up, she finds something to tear up and chew up and leave for me to, to actually pick up adding her, so... <laughs> there's usually that <laughs> um, but yeah there was one other thing I wanted to bring up in this with um, the series that I meant to bring up before um, now for you uh, how do you feel like did you realize that this was a sec- the second book in a, it was not really a series but the second book that you wrote in if you hadn't um, if you hadn't have said that it was the second book I wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually really curious about how much I'm missing. Like, does it doesn't feel like I'm missing something reading this book. Like, it's it seems very um, 
the narrative seems very self-contained. It's not like, oh, this is a sequel, and because I missed the the first one, I, I can't follow what's happening. That's not an issue at all. Um, I'm mostly curious, what, what the hell is the deal with Michael? I don't know if I like him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's like, I don't know I like him. By the, for most of the first book, because in the first book, like when you were saying about being pushed out of your little comfort zone of academia, um, that was really what a lot of it was about for Veronica. Was she was she was very much in her little comfort zone. She had her little routine in academia in um, her university, and then she got you know pushed out of it. And so essentially, by Michael Clayton making the claim that he was the heir to the Romanov throne. Um, and as the story went on, there were, I liked him, and then I didn't like him, uh, going back and forth because he really did manipulate her. And in this story, it's like, I like him, but he's got very much this attitude where uh, the means justify the ends. He can do whatever he wants, say whatever he wants, manipulate her however he wants, as long as he keeps her safe. And I think that's for a person, any person that's overstepping their boundaries. Um, so what are your thoughts about not sure if you like him or not? Um, well, he just seems kind of like a con man. Like, I don't know how far back their history goes because uh, their, their families seem very intertwined and it seems like his family has a history of a protective role for her family. Uh, but some, some of it seems like there's a little bit of grooming going on. Um, I don't know if she's had any other sort of romantic history. So, like, I'm reserving judgment, but the whole, like, he, he said that he made the claim for the throne to protect her, but, like, he didn't tell her. Mm -hmm. Seems, um, it's like, how much does he really care about her if he can't be honest with her? Yeah. Um, and the whole thing where, like, he, he shows up at the airport to protect her without letting her know ahead of time, without letting the monarchist society know ahead of time. It's just kind of like, I really question how much of this is out of his sense of duty to her and how much is he just needs to be in the thick of it. He needs to be in control. Um, I am glad uh, at the, the point where, you know, this, this episode here is covering he's kind of been told he needs to step back and he's actually doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, really we'll see. Step back. He'll actually step back. Even though they might last a chapter or two. Um, he has a tendency to respect her, her boundaries when she enforces them. Yeah. But he, he makes her have to enforce him, though. Which is what worries me. <laughs> Feeling super, super protective of her. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm reserving judgment. Like it's not even. Uh, it's not halfway through the book, and obviously I'm, I'm missing a whole other one. So, we'll, we'll see what she does. Yeah, you know, we'll have to see how how she chooses how things go down. Like in the first book, they have a little bit of a romance, so you're not really missing that much. It's great. Uh, she meets him in that book, and as you see in this book, he made that claim for the throne. Um, all in the guise of protecting her. So we'll see. We'll see how he plays out, how that plays out. 
Um, but that's one of the things I love about um, Jennifer's books. Uh, the same one, the second one was like that too, where you have these same roles and you're questioning the characters. It's not all straightforward. Um, you know, with, with the romance thing where all of a sudden he's got to catch her. And sorry, I'm hearing my own echoes. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> well, you had we had the alpha dance um, where he's trying to he's trying to be that alpha, and there's that pushback. And I love seeing that with the alpha to see that pushback of that alpha ness because there's so many of these books out there that have a romance in them, and it's straightforward. The alpha character and the beta character and the girl just goes along with whatever the guy wants. Yeah, yeah. And there's a very yeah. So there's a couple other series that I've I've read that are like that, but anything like that, and it gets a little like. But yeah, yeah I like how she's got a little bit of an edge here on this. Yeah, which you know, if she's going to be the Sarina, she's going to need to be able to push back. So I guess that's good. So that's good training. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so moving on, we'll go on to your your lovely comic Havenhurst. You're now. Where did the idea from this come from? Now, you did this for, from what I understand, you did it for Inktober, right? Um, I did that. So, th The Haven Earth was a complete accident. It was not supposed to be a series. The fact that it even became a comic book at all is just kind of crazy. There is a, um, a day 24-hour comic book day. It started as a dare, I think, in the 80s. It was two comic book creators, and one of them said, I bet you can't finish a 24-page comic in 24 hours. Apparently, so he, he had trouble making deadlines. The other guy took him up on it, and um, now it's an internationally celebrated event. Uh, comic book shops all over uh, host it. Um, our old local comic shop, The Comic Book in Manhattan Beach, hosts an amazing one they actually like they rent extra space they move everything aside set up tables chairs there's regular delivery of coffee and donuts and pizza they do a sale from two to four in the morning just oh, to get wow. people in so that the energy level like you know it's like that's when people start dragging so they have this crazy sale there's a line all the way to the back of the store the whole time they turn up the music they've got um like a quiet nap space sometimes they'll have like food trucks show up in the middle of the night oh i've got a cat readjusting the webcam cord um so and it's excellent and it's a great creative challenge it's it's not supposed to be beautiful it's you know you're doing 24 pages in 24 hours so it's not going to be a masterpiece but it's a challenge to see what you can do when your back is up against the wall and just finish a thing. Are you there? I think it might have frozen. Thank <laughs> you. 
I don't know if this is still recording, but technical difficulties, please stand by.